Actor-singer John Snyder wears many hats, including filmmaker, author, and philanthropist. But a trip through Monument Valley sparked a long-held dream to Don Astetson. And look forward to the day when I can uh, I can bring a crew and make a make a western there myself. Because you know that's what's that's what's in my soul. I'm a I'm a cowboy. Pianist Kendall Backus has played private events for Bill Gates and us. His musical style is captivating and reflects a unique blend of cultural influences. I think my my international travels have allowed me to absorb a lot of different influences um, and experiences, and I've brought these into my music. Join us for conversations with two extraordinary artists, actor-singer John Snyder and pianist Kendall Backus, who share their life journeys on World Footprints with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. Depending on your age, you may know John Schneider as Bo Duke from the Dukes of Hazard, or you'll remember him from Hee Haw, or from the 27th season of Dancing with the Stars. Or perhaps you've seen John on Smallville, or as Jim Cryer on Tyler Perry's show, The Haves and Have Nots. No matter how you're familiar with John, there's a lot you may not know about him, like his collaboration with Marie Osmond on a popular charitable project. John, thank you so much for joining World Footprints. We are so happy to have you on our show. Delighted to be here. Well, thank you. And I, I have to tell you, I spoke to a friend of mine earlier today. Her name is Michelle, and I happened to tell her that we were interviewing you. And she said, what? You mean Bo Duke? And I said, yeah. She's like, oh, I love him. <laughs> and so <laughs> after all these years, people still know you as Bo Duke. It depends and, on their age. How old is Michelle? Um, she's in her 40s. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. But yeah. He, See, no matter what Adam West did after Batman, I would think of him as Batman. <laughs> You know, and, uh, I, 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 and it's hard for me not to think of Larry Hagman as uh, Major Nelson from I Dream of Genie, even though it's arguable that uh, J.R. Ewing far eclipsed uh, that. But yeah, it's just cool. Yeah. Well, I, I saw even on Dancing with the Stars, that was your first dance um, last year, it was to the, the, Bo, the ha uh, Dukes of Hazard theme song. So. Yeah, they, that's what they did. I would not have chosen that because of Foxtrot to the Dukes of Hazard song, really. But <laughs> hey, it was uh, it was fun. It was a great uh, a great experience. I'm glad it's over, but it was a great experience. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you have been doing so much, uh, John. I mean, well beyond the uh, the Dukes of Hazard day. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the things you've done recently. We we talked about Dancing with the Stars last year, right? Um, right, but right. also last year, you released, what, three albums, including one where you recorded a new song every single week of the year? Well, pretty crazy, yeah. Actually, uh, we released 72 songs last year, one every Tuesday, and then we released a Christmas album, and we released John Schneider's Greatest Hits Still which was me going back and, and re-recording all the, uh, the songs that I had on uh, when I was working with MCA. So yeah, 72 songs, one year, insane. 
And uh, the 52-song project was called The Odyssey Project. And that's actually five CDs. And then the other two, one is called Merry Christmas Baby, and the other is called John Schneider's Greatest Hits Still. Um, wow. And, and we released two records this year. Yes. As well. <laughs> yeah, a, a gospel. And we're working on a third. We're working on a third. We won't get it done uh, by the end of this year because we're coming up quick on the end of the year and we've got to promote Christmas cars. But uh, yeah, gospel record as well as the Redneck Rebel, mm-hmm. which uh, these two records couldn't be more more in opposition. They couldn't be more. They couldn't be less alike. <laughs> But I, I think they probably still appeal to your 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 fan base, even though they're different genres. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, the the um, the uh, the gospel album is just beautiful, so beautiful. We've got wonderful voices on it. I, I sang with some dear friends of mine. Uh, so one one uh, we did a rendition of Amazing Grace to the tune of House of the Rising Sun, and it was uh, it was great. We had five guys singing on it. Um, I redid a, a favorite song of Alicia's, uh, that it was a Conway Twitty song called that's my job mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. So yeah, I think people, people, especially folks who love the ballads are going to love, love, uh, recycling grace. Uh, now the other one is it's just, it's great. It's kind of like the kind of music I grew up listening to. And uh, when I moved to, um, uh, I moved to Atlanta from New York Marshall Tucker band, Leonard Skinner, uh, you know, real great Southern rock, no covers, but just a real attitude, attitude in the music that, uh, that you really don't hear that much anymore. Mm-hmm. A raw, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of raw. We cut them live. Like we cut the other things. So we had, uh, me in the room with the band. And, and, uh, so it sounds like, uh, it sounds like a real band. It sounds like music that's happening as you're listening to it, not music that was canned and, you know, you listen to it later. In addition to everything else you're doing, you're also filming on Tyler Perry's popular show, The Haves and Have-Nots. <laughs> that's crazy, yeah, for, uh, for the last seven years. And we are the number one show. We've been the number one show on, uh, on cable. We're on Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock, and number one show... Uh, on cable on Tuesdays, and actually the number two show overall on cable, uh, only only being trumped by uh, The Walking Dead. So Walking Dead has uh, uh, the only other show on cable at all that has a larger audience than we do. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. It well, yeah. And then okay, and then I saw um, your tour schedule, and it's grueling, John. I I don't. <laughs> I don't know how you how you are doing this, you know, with and sleeping as well and maintaining your health and energy and so I mean you're touring well, every week. Yeah, touring has been uh, has been pretty great and it's going to get uh, actually we're going to do even more next year because we actually now have uh, a booking agent and a group of people behind us um, who are going to make sure that we have. Uh, two or three shows a week, um, which sounds more grueling than it is because in this year we've done some things where we'll, 
we'll do a show in Oklahoma. So we'll have to gather the band out of Nashville and Alicia and I will leave from Louisiana and we'll drive to Oklahoma and do a show and then drive back. And it's not really cost effective, number one, but it's also not energy effective to do put all that effort into one show somewhere, you know, out there. So this next year we'll be doing, uh, the plan is to do a show somewhere on Thursday and then 150, 200 miles further from there, another show on Friday, and then again, another show Saturday, then maybe an afternoon show on Sunday, and then come home. Good Lord. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I just want to clarify for our audience, Alicia is your your beautiful bride, and I say bride because... She is my beautiful bride, yes. yes. <laughs> she is my smile. Yes. <laughs> my smile, my bride. Now, uh, you've done a couple of passion, what I call passion projects as well this year. You have a memoir and you have, um, I think you, re- you referenced it earlier, a movie for the holidays, uh, Christmas Cars. Yeah. Tell, in the yes, indeed. Right? And yeah, they one fed the other. We did, um, people have been, you know, I have so many people asking me questions about Dukes and about Smallville and about you know, were you in Smoking the Bandit, and how do you how do you do this? How do you how do you uh, if you want to be an actor, what do you do? So I put together this uh, book called My Life, My Way, and it goes through everything from climbing the fence to get into Smoking the Bandit to auditioning for Dukes to time on the set to uh, movies afterwards and aspirations and what goals are and how to, uh, how to attack them. Uh, and I, I put that into this book called my life, my way. And what's it really like to jump the general league? Cause now that I've done it, you know, I want to, I, now I have an opinion <laughs> <laughs> before I was just guessing. So, um, that went into losing the studio and, and having financial difficulties and, and, uh, Little talk, not a lot, but a little talk about the nearly five-year divorce. And it was, again, Alicia that said, you know, this is, a, this is a roller coaster ride that should be a movie. So why don't you write a movie? We'll make a movie. This was, uh, I've, been, I've been writing notes uh, on the, uh, My Life, My Way for about two years. So I put them in my notes in my, on my phone. So she said, you know, this, let's make a movie. Let's, let's put this in and let's, let's not make a, I said, what do you mean? Like a biography? And she said, no, no, no. Let's, let's make a movie where most of it is true. And the rest of it, you know, we make up to make a, make a story. Let's, let's do a Christmas movie about all this. So I, I'm not one to, uh, to poo poo a great idea. So I said, okay. And I (laughs) sat down at my computer and uh, I wrote a, screenplay called Christmas cars that includes, uh, financial woes. It includes, uh, a online store where we sell, uh, products from my show that is having its 40th anniversary. Uh, it includes, um, people, all of a sudden, someone on the internet, all of a sudden saying that the car from my show is the universal sign of racism and intolerance which happened. It happened to me, you know, so, so all of that stuff is rolled into this really fun, energetic, uh, delightful, I think movie called Christmas cars, where 
if it weren't for friendship, love, camaraderie, and, and everybody coming together, then uh, the bad guys would win and the good guys would lose. So it's very much an episode, but it's 90 minutes long, a 90-minute episode of Dukes. Mm. Uh, and I think people are going, I love it. I love it because I love the Dukes, and I, I think people who are fans of that show and of the feeling that it gave them, which is really important, um, they're going to love it. They can watch it with the whole family. Um, people are pre-ordering it right now. We're going to ship them out. Uh, it comes out officially on what we're calling Orange Friday, which is the Friday after Thanksgiving. So not Black Friday, um, Orange Friday. Not Black Friday. It's Orange Friday in honor of the General Lee, which is a, a car that people are removing. They're trying to remove from history. Most famous car in the history of cinema. And that's what it was always, always number one. Until all of a sudden, somebody somewhere determined that it was bad. And, you know, people are people are so afraid to have an opinion. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'll have one. <laughs> and I'll make a movie about it. Because why not? That's what we do. Many people might be surprised to learn that you and Marie Osmond founded Children's Miracle Network. How did that come about? Well, I had done a lot of, I told you I started theater when I was eight. So I had done a lot of theater for children's hospitals, uh, little shows for children long before Dukes of Hazard. And then when Duke started, um, I worked with a, with an organization for two years as their entertainment chairman uh, during the height of Dukes of Hazard, So it was, it was pretty great. But in, in traveling and trying to help raise money for that organization, um, I found there were a lot of barriers out there. And one of them was uh, that the money didn't stay local. People didn't care for that. Uh, they wanted to know that if they were going to dig into their wallet, they would give uh, money to kids that lived where they lived maybe their own kids. And another thing was that, that um, how much of my dollar goes to the cause? Well, many people, myself included, think if I'm going to give a dollar, then a hundred pennies should go. Uh, and lastly, um, if their child or someone in their family didn't have the specific illness that the charity was raising money for, then they were liable to be less interested so I took those three notions and, and went to our producers of uh, two great guys, three. Well, Nick Shannon, Joe Lake had produced uh, uh, two telethons that Marie and I had done in the two years before for this other organization. And my manager at the time, Mike Gersey, was involved too. So what we decided to do since the people I was working for said that none of those ideas were valid and couldn't possibly work, uh, we decided to start our own telethon. Based on those, on those three things, raise money for children no matter what they have, keep the money local, and make sure it's 100 pennies on the dollar. And from those three notions, uh, in 1982, started Children's Miracle Network in 1983, and we've since raised uh, just shy now of $8 billion. And reflecting on your memoir and Christmas cars, and it, you know, it seems like you have gone through a period of introspection. And so I want to ask you, if you could go back and talk to little John, 
What is the one piece? Ah. Of, <laughs> what is the one piece of advice you tell your younger self? Um. Hmm. I believe what I would tell my younger self is that trust is something that is earned, not given, on both sides. Don't trust someone because they're breathing. Don't assume someone trusts you because you show up. Earn it. A link to John's website and Christmas Cars trailer can be found on this show page at worldfootprints.com. You're listening to the award-winning World Footprints podcast with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. World Footprints connects you to the world one story at a time. We invite you to travel deeper by visiting our website, worldfootprints.com, and make sure you sign up for our newsletter and receive a special gift. We met pianist Kendall Bacchus in 2012 during a trip to St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Kendall provided dinner music, and his style and passion was so captivating that we had to meet him. Kendall has traveled to the United States a few times to promote his music, but it was during this latest trip that he reached out to us. So what brings you to the United States? I got to the United States on August 28th. Um, I used to live in South Korea, and while there... I met somebody from my country who was in the U.S. military at the time. And uh, we became best friends. And this was 1996. And um, years later, he's retired from the military now. And he insisted that I make a trip to the U.S. to share my music. Now, I was here in the U.S. last year um, doing some television um, on a network called Three Angels Broadcasting Network, which is uh, 3ABN. Um, and so I'm heading there again. But um, I arrived on August 28th and started with concerts in Brooklyn, New York, then made my way to Morristown, Jersey, and upstate New York, and then uh, Philadelphia for a bit, and then uh, West Virginia in a place called Kearneysville, um, and did some concerts in the uh, West Virginia, uh, Maryland area. And currently, I'm in St. Louis, Missouri, and did a concert yesterday um, right here. We met you in 2012 following our dinner at a resort on St. Vincent. Your music really spoke to us, so we had to introduce ourselves to you. Yes, that was a very significant evening for me. The encouragement from you and Ian uh, was tremendous. Um, I had a career in biology, and... um, after completing a master's degree and teaching for three years, I wasn't fulfilled. I decided to do Christian mission work and I ended up in South Korea. And what I thought was going to be one year ended up being 14 years in South Korea. And, and then I saw, served in Saudi Arabia and then made my way back home to St. Vincent about 11 years ago. Um, and I wasn't quite sure um, what I would be doing once back home. Uh, my dad was turning 80 at the time, and so music was something that was with me my whole life. Um, and I got picked up by all the major resorts there to do some romantic piano music for black tie dinners and fancy dinners. Mm-hmm. And so that's how come I um, 
uh, met you guys at Mokomembe Resort at the time. I also always had a Christian faith and I, be- I believe God was using that to bring me into a new sort of section of my journey. So I left um, my biology years ago and then I went into Christian mission work and then I was leaving that again and going straight further into my music. And so um, I had among my guests playing in the Caribbean um, during those few years, Bill Gates and family. I did the music um, for them on their private yacht during a Christmas vacation. Um, oh, I played, nice. Yes. I also had a chance to play weekly in Mustique, you know, where uh, Mick Jagger has a home, Brian Adams has a home, uh, different celebrities, including Meghan and Harry from uh, the royal family in England, uh, frequent those sorts of resorts. And um, also PT St. Vincent, which is another very exclusive resort. And so I use that as a springboard to get straight back into uh, into music and, and Christian music. And so now I'm a, I'm a recording artist doing piano, uh, solo albums and, and touring. Kendall, how did you get into music? It's been a big part of your life. That's right. And I didn't know how big it was going to be till I got through my science and I realized that I... I, my heart wasn't really there. And I grew up in a musical family. I'm the fifth child. And um, my two older sisters had piano lessons, but I didn't have formal lessons. I'm more or less self-taught. I grew up with that around me. And um, then I went on to um, study uh, in my mid-teens, mid-teens with a, a piano teacher for about two years and got my um, grade six and grade eight from the Royal Schools of Music in London um, in music theory and piano. And later on, went on to do a diploma in piano performance on my own without a teacher, which Mm. was quite risky, you know. But um, like I said, through a series of circumstances, I believe that God gave me this gift and he has nurtured it, you know, um, especially in the last 15 years. Talk about your new CD and just what it's like to be a recording artist and some of the challenges in putting together an album of music. Sure. I did uh, two CDs this year um, in London, England. Um, I have been really touched by the crisis of uh, human displacement that we have on the planet currently. We have the highest incidence of uh, human displacement ever recorded in history currently. People who are trafficked, people who are uh, driven away from their countries by circumstances, domestic violence, uh, war, and and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Now, I came through an ancestry of displacement as well. Uh, Three generations before me, my ancestors were displaced from India as indentured servants to the Caribbean. and so I thought about music and how it spoke to this. And, um, and so I rediscovered the Negro spirituals and um, I decided that I wanted to present the Negro spirituals as a, a way of bringing hope to people who were currently displaced. So this year I did my second album of spirituals and it's called uh, Pilgrimage. Uh, last year I produced an album called Sojourn, which was my first album of Negro spirituals. And the year before that, I did one called Alter Call. And um, I also decided to uh, put a bit of my original music out there this year as well. So I created another album called Beyond Words. And it's 11 tracks of piano, uh, poetic piano music that I composed, um, uh, improvised, and, and did sort of on the fly um, as I had the opportunity 
in England and I was planning to do just the Negro Spiritual albums but an inspiration came and so I did Beyond Words. How have your travels and other cultures influenced your music? I think my my international travels have allowed me to absorb a lot of different influences um, and experiences and I've brought these into my music. Um, all of my music are my own original arrangements and um, I play both by sheet music and by ear but everything that I play on all of my albums are really my own uh, arrangements and uh, sometimes I have a rough score of it sometimes I don't I just go in and play from the top of my head um, I think that um, classical music has definitely shaped me I love Beethoven and Chopin so much mm -hmm. um, but from a young age, I've, I've always played by ear. Now, um, having lived in South Korea for 14 years and traveled extensively in Asia um, and countries like the Philippines and Thailand, um, you know, you, you hear different musical ideas and different sounds. And then recently I've been really interested in my ancestral uh, music, which is music from India um, as well. Um, uh, I try to... Um, use the wisdom also of the masters you know chopin said that at the end of the day it's not the multiplicity of notes that you've got but it's that simple melody that really goes right into the heart that really says something quite deep and profound and lasting um so there are a lot of different ideas that that i take the creative process it's uh, a lot of it happens in bed at night while i'm listening to myself think and and hearing the music in my head or in the shower you know um <laughs> before I actually get on the keys and, and play. But I do this quite prayerfully. And I, I believe that um, my journey in science and biology has even strengthened my faith in God. And I've brought all the ideas uh, of, of my exposure to different religions, my Hindu ancestry, my exposure to Buddhism in Korea and Islam in Saudi Arabia um, with my Christian beliefs and and so uh, what I'm ultimately trying to do is to um, achieve something close to perfection with my music, which I believe is the very nature of God. During your travels, if there has been one country that has really touched your heart, and um, if so, which, which country and why you think? Uh, a big part of my um, musical journey um, happened when I visited Australia. Now, I had no intentions to explore music when I uh, went to that country. I, I just heard of Australia. I had a friend who had moved there, and I decided to go down there and, and have some vacation time. Not knowing that three, three days, I think, or two days into my stay there, I will meet a very prominent singer and um, who um, loved my piano playing and decided to introduce me um, to to folks and took me to a studio there and also um, uh, years later I recorded with her here um, in the United States for television. Um, her name is Sandra Enterman. Um, I, I always sort of um, liked the, the, the sense of space in that country. You know, I, I had a chance to, to travel not just in Queensland and Brisbane, but on the Great Ocean Road especially. I remember how much that big expanse of God's creation. We have a link to Kendall's website and tour schedule on this show page at worldfootprints.com.
Both John and Kendall share similar life journeys in that they both faced incredible adversity, including a lot of loss, financial hits, but they both had the courage to continue moving forward, and that's a life lesson for all of us. This has been a common theme on some of our recent shows about just not quitting, and it's one of those things about just pressing through adversity and not looking back, but always looking forward. It's almost like running a marathon or running a race. You got to keep looking forward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's always amazing how impactful travel, even when you don't travel uh, internationally a lot or, you know, or don't take time out uh, to really enjoy your surroundings, how impactful that is to your life's journey. And as Andre Gid said, man cannot discover new oceans unless he has the courage to lose sight of the shore. That is so powerful. And As always, we are very, very grateful to you that you allow us into your home, and we hope that we are making uh, an impact in, in your lives, and we thank you for being a part of our life journey. We hope that you invite your family and friends to join us on these journeys. We're Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we thank you for allowing us to connect you to the world one story at a time and World Footprints. This World Footprints podcast with Ian and Tonya Fitzpatrick is a production of World Footprints LLC, Silver Spring, Maryland. The multi-award winning podcast is available on worldfootprints.com and on audio platforms worldwide, including iHeartRadio, Public Radio Exchange, iTunes and Stitcher. Connect with the world one story at a time with World Footprints. Visit worldfootprints.com to enjoy more podcasts and explore hundreds of articles from international travel writers. And be sure to subscribe to the newsletter. World Footprints is a trademark of World Footprints LLC, which retains all rights to the World Footprints portfolio, including worldfootprints.com and this podcast.